Okay. Hi, good morning and welcome to the School of Serenity. We are being broadcast today by Walk to Serenity and 4MTV. I am your host, Kara Keem. I am an author, a psychotherapist, and a Reiki master. I have written a book, Discovering My Wings, which talks about how my life radically transformed when I started following the voice of my intuition. And I have a private practice helping women to tap into their inner guidance and empower them to do the same. I am so excited for our guest today. He is a dear friend. We've been friends for over half my life. He is a businessman, a father. He has resided in Santiago, Chile since 2005 and has been in the world of uh, software sales for over 15 years. And he had a profound life-altering transformation when he went through a near-death experience. And his story is very inspiring. Please welcome Easley Edmonds to our show today. Easley, thank you for being here. Thank you, Kara, for the invitation. Um, I have to confess that this is the, the first podcast or, or live stream that I've ever done. It's also the first time that I've ever publicly spoken about my my incident. Wow. Um, so thank you for having me on the show. Hopefully um, people will find it uh, inspiring. And I think it's uh, worthwhile giving a little context how this uh, kind of materialized. So um, do, do you wanna share that or? Yes, yes. Well, I did not realize this was your first time speaking about it publicly because I really see this becoming a book for you and you going on to share, you know, motivational and inspirational um, stories and tales. So may this be the first of many. I really see that path for you. And yes, how this interview came about is when I got really sick with COVID. And I mean, I was sick, sick. I got down to 112 pounds, which for me is just unheard of. And I was getting ultrasounds on my heart because I was having all these heart palpitations and all my organs and I couldn't eat. And it, I was very, very scared there for a while. It was, it was bad. I actually stopped working. I'm just now, months later, starting to see clients again. And, and I remembered you. And as I was laying there in bed and I was like, wow, I'm a young, healthy woman. I can barely function. I can't work. I'm getting all these tests and ultrasounds. Okay. My friend was actually stabbed in the heart with a rusty screwdriver and his life was on the line. He had a near death experience. And I called you and I said, easily, if you can survive that, I can survive this. What what got you through that? Remember? Yeah. So also that, that same call, I mean, it was, you know, perseverance. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you had a friend that, that's a doctor and you guys were, were talking the other day. Yes. And obviously that's a very, very tough profession. I cannot imagine, um, you know, having a, a, a more challenging job, especially these last two years. But, you know, this is a, an individual that uh, sees people in the ICU every day. And they were saying that, you know, it's really a crapshoot. Sometimes you execute flawlessly yes. and you lose that patient. And then other yes. times, you know, you don't execute flawlessly and somehow 
that patient uh, pulls through. Right. So, yes. Yes. He said, sometimes you do everything right and you lose the patient and you cannot understand. And sometimes you do everything wrong and the patient is pulls through. And it's just, it's really unbelievable. Yeah. We had that conversation when we spoke. It's so true. Yeah. So, you know, speaking from my personal experience, I believe that it's, you know, it's all, it's all mental. Um, yeah. I was definitely in a life threatening situation. Um, right. As you said, I was stabbed in the heart with a screwdriver and a carjacking um, in front of your family, correct? Your family was there when you got carjacked in Santiago, yes. Chile. Yes. And, you know, I'll never know what provoked such a violent reaction uh, from them, you know, whether it was speaking English, uh, whether right. it was, um, you know, being a group of four people um, that caught them off guard. But I was very um, collected, you know, I mean, incredibly, this is my third time being held up at gunpoint. Um, so I, you know, maybe it caught them off guard how composed I was. But, um, but ultimately, what almost killed me was the, the sepsis. Um, mm -hmm. The amount of bacteria in my bloodstream was astronomical. Of course, that developed over time, that wasn't immediate. Um, so, you know, initially, I was admitted to the hospital for just three or four days, they were really monitoring the uh, fluid in my heart from the impact, um, which was then, you know, leaking into my left lung. Um, and so I was released from the hospital after four days, but then- Really? After open heart surgery? No, no, no. So I was, okay. I, I was released and then my health started to deteriorate. And after a week um, of, fighting, you know, really severe fever. Uh, I went back to the hospital and they operated me right then and there. Um, the, the level of bacteria in my bloodstream was through the roof. And, um, and so, yeah, they told uh, my wife, look, you know, you need to sign this waiver. Your husband's going in under what's called la ley de urgencia, which is basically it's you know, when you have a, a, a patient in a life-threatening situation, they have to they have to tend to them, regardless of their, you know, insurance or, or medical coverage. Um, and of course, I mean, the doctor was honest with her and said, "Look, you know, I can't promise you anything. Uh, you know, he might not wake up from this." And you know, when people make the analogy of of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I understand that, you know, being on the operating table, knowing that they were going to open up uh, my chest, yeah. and knowing that it was a very risky procedure, and just staring up at this blinding light, knowing that it might be the last time I ever closed my eyes. Wow. Um, but, you know, I told the doctor, I said, you know, promise me, I'm going to wake up from this. Um, and I just thought about you know, my kids and, and, you know, death just wasn't an option. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and miraculously, uh, I woke up a lot sooner than most people in that, you know, after that type of surgery, um, they had told my family that I would be out for probably 24 hours. I think I was 
you know, up after about 12, I was kind of in a vegetable state, you know, I had a tube down my uh, esophagus and, and I was in the ICU and, uh, you know, the doctors told me like, look, 80% of the people in the ICU don't make it out alive. Wow. Um, yeah. So, oh my gosh, it brings tears to my eyes because I just cannot imagine a moment like that for you and for Charlotte, your wife. I mean, I just cannot even begin to imagine what that must have been like for both of you. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, but, you know, to say the uh, least. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. But, um, you know, I always kept a, a positive attitude. Um, yeah. I never felt that I was the big, the victim, you know, I mean, it was never why me, why did this have to happen to me? It was just, you know, I'm so grateful to, to be fighting this and to be alive. Um, and I just got to keep pushing forward. And I did rebound very quickly. Um, you know, I was, the second time around in the hospital, I was back at home after two weeks, um, which which is pretty miraculous. Um, and I remember, you know, I was going to, to rehab, physical therapy. Um, I, I asked the doctor, it was like, you know, am I going to be okay? Are there going to be any, you know, limitations going forward? And he was just like, no, you know, it's going to be a gradual process. But um you know i really kind of value uh balance and and health um and obviously it really you know puts things into perspective when you're mm -hmm. in that situation yes um, i just see you know every day people that get so wound up or um you know just just been out of shape over things that are trivial you know, and it's like it 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 puts things into you know you you start to understand of course what is important and kind of reprioritizing how you spend your time. And I would say you know my my biggest takeaway was you know obviously spend time with your family, um, yeah. prioritize your health, and and be intentional about it. You know right. when. Like when you're spending time with your kids, give them your undivided attention. Mm. You know, put the phone down, leave it in a different room. So just yes. be intentional about the time, that moment, be present in the moment. Yes. Um, yes. And do you think that it took this to bring that awareness? I mean, so often it's these life altering experiences where we kind of have the epiphany. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just, you know, kind of recalibrated uh, the way I see the world. Yes. Uh, how could it not? How could it not? I mean, you're being told you might not wake up after being stabbed in the heart with a rusty screwdriver. I mean, just that's just an unbelievable story in and of itself. And then to find yourself in this point of transformation and living a new life. And so you believe strongly that your mentality is what saved you and what got you through this. And you, you basically said dying is not an option. Like I'm not, I will not die. That, that is not an option on the table. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just always try and maintain a positive attitude. Um, and certainly, you know, I think that is the difference. Um, you know, when the doctor is, is kind of mystified as to how, you know, it's just the will to, to survive ultimately. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do consider, and I think, you know, those that know me well, like I am a very, um, you know, I'm a person that perseveres. I'm, I'm, Oh yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Without a doubt, you are very persistent, driven, like there's a fire in you that you are not going to give up no matter what you will not give up. And that pertains to all aspects of your life, I'd say. Absolutely. And so um, you think that fire is what kept, is why you're here now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe that I was going to pull through and, um, and, and yeah, and I was going to come back stronger than ever. And, um, wow. I, uh, as I said, you know, I value health. I did, uh, I went to a, a Bikram yoga class this morning at 6 a.m. Wow. I ran a half marathon in two, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, more than I, I'm also, I'm not, I just try and find a balance. You know, I'm not, I, I like to have my fun too. Um, yeah. But you gotta, you gotta compensate. And it's, you know, I think just so many people struggle with um, finding that harmony uh, you know, we, we, we always say that health and family is the most important, but yet people are so consumed by work. And I do think the pandemic that has been a major silver lining, obviously there's a huge movement around mental health, um, which yeah. is, is, you know, I think that really is the impetus or, or the driver of, or dictates your uh, physical health. You know, it all starts with your 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 mental state. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that people are kind of focusing more on finding this harmony, mm. uh, but it was just so broken before. It was. It was. It was so broken. I love that word harmony too. It's just. It's a beautiful word. It has a beautiful ring to it. So harmony is something that has come from the pandemic for many people. I think balance and harmony is what we're we're seeking to find now. But were you in that grind prior to this experience? Yes. Yes. I mean, I I have to confess. Um, you know, I. I, I work hard, but I, I think that it's, um, you know, again, just being intentional. So yes. there's just, there's, there's parts of your day that should be non-negotiable, you know, whether it's reading a book to your kids before going to bed, whether it's, you know, 10 minutes around the dinner table, um, you know, who doesn't have time for that? Right. So, right. So again, just, you know, it's little, little things like that, uh, go a long way. And I think, you know, like everything in life, you just, you, 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 you should try and be consistent because small changes over or, or, or small commitments like that over time go a really long way. Right. 
Right. Yes. Yes. It's true. It's true. And even self-care routines, right? I mean, I think those are really the foundation is being able to give to ourselves first. I mean, that's something we've lost along the way too. It's considered selfish or, you know, we're not being family oriented, but I think that is the, the foundation and the starting point for health. And then we have, we can give to our family and to our careers and to others from that starting point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, you know, there, one, of the, one of the things while I was in the hospital was, uh, was I kept a, a journal, which actually I just pulled out here. Yeah. And I, you know, I hadn't visited that journal uh, really since the incident of just over four years ago. Wow. But, um, but yes, um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll, I'll read a, a passage that I, I would love that. Yes. Might with the audience. Yes. And uh, yeah, so this is just one paragraph or two that, uh, you know, while I was in the hospital. So the thing about tragedy is that it naturally generates solidarity. The most prominent example during my lifetime was 9-11. All of a sudden, the material world didn't matter, nor did your social, economical, your race, your creed, your nothing else mattered. Yeah. The only thing that mattered was humanity. Everybody quickly realized that tragedy is unexpected and irrevocable. It suddenly became trendy to stand on the street corner soliciting hugs for free, a time where there were no double takes of a Wall Street banker deciding to hug a homeless guy. Generosity simply became mainstream. So treat it, treat, I can barely read my own handwriting. Yeah. Um, the tragedy creates unity purpose that can lead to mobilization. Mobilization to advocate change for the better, or at the very least, help people to take a step back and reflect. Mm, yes, yes, beautiful, beautiful. And we do experience that collectively, like events through 9-11. And now I think in the pandemic too, that was another bridge for the collective unity. Do you, have you experienced that in Chile? Yeah. Um, I would say absolutely. Uh, you know, companies today, I think, are are more empathetic. Uh, you know, a lot of companies are prioritizing, you know, mental health. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's been positive. You know, I think people are are, are realizing um, that uh, you know, there's another way. You don't have to be completely consumed in your work. And again, it's not, you know, spend the whole day playing with your kids or right. it's, it's, you know, just taking a few minutes out of your day to, to focus on what's important. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So this collective tragedies that we experience and you found this in your personal tragedy also. And I love that you're sitting there journaling in a hospital after this major open heart surgery. I mean, wow. Well, yes, uh, reading and, and writing. I mean, when you're kind of immobilized on a, on a hospital bed, you only have so many 
options. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll never forget, um, day in and day out at the hospital, I would look so forward to the therapist coming to visit and taking a stroll around the hospital. Mm. And that really puts things into perspective too, because, you know, when you're walking through the ICU and you see people that look like scarecrows strung up there, just completely lifeless in a body cast, it was like, wow, mm. you know, that, that could have been me or that was me for a brief moment. Wow. Um, and yeah, it just puts things into perspective, you know, don't take, don't take any day for granted because tragedy, tragedy usually creeps up on you. It's completely yeah. blindsides to you. And it's, you know, your ability to respond to tragedy that makes the difference. You know, what's your attitude? Are you going to be the victim or are you going to, you know, be resilient and come back stronger than ever? Right, right, right. So you think it's this victim mentality that kind of holds people down and doesn't allow them to persevere. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, it's, yeah, I'm reading this book, The Path of Oneness, and it talks about that. And it's so hard when you're in it to, to not be in the victim mentality because life does feel unfair. And in that moment, it kind of, it does suck. I mean, it really does suck. But I think the key is to acknowledge it, to bring awareness to that, and then to feel your feelings because that's, that's valid and justified. Like this situation sucks. I might not live, you know, and I have two small kids and a family. And then to sort of reposition yourself into your point of power. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you know, I'm not going to deny I hypothesized, you know, if, if we had gotten one more red light on the way home or one more green light, you know, it was all about timing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's just unconstructive. You know, the right. way I looked at it was, this is the hand I was dealt and I'm right. just going to deal with, with it. You know, I'm going to get through this. Um, and again, it just, when you have a day like that, uh, it really puts your bad days into perspective. Um, yeah. because everything is relative, you yes. know, today might be a bad day, but you know, it, it, it could be a lot worse. Yes. Uh, yes. Just like, you know, when you were struggling with COVID, it sucks, but you know, you're going to get through it. And right. Right. Well, and, and that was my motivation. That's why I called you. I was like, he, if he can survive that, I'm going to survive this, you know, because there are a lot of people who, who did not make it through COVID and I'm sending all the love and the prayers to them. And I just can't even imagine, you know, and so I needed somebody as inspiration who had made it through a situation where you just weren't certain. And there was never uncertain whether or not I was going to make it through, but, it, but I was scared. I felt scared, you know? And so when I thought of you and all you had been there, I was like, ah, that's my call. That's my call. So what gave you motivation to not be the victim and to persevere? Like, did you have those things? You were my call. Did you have the people you called or the books you read or the things you did? Like, how did you stay in that point of power? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's just my genetic makeup. I mean, yeah. 
you know, again, you know, number one, I've spent my entire career in sales. Like you have to be a pretty resilient person. You know, you're getting rejected nine times out of 10. You just yeah. got to keep plowing forward, you know, don't let it get to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it has a lot to do with my personality. You know, I, I am a very optimistic person. Yeah. Absolutely. You were just born that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, you know, I confess that, um, you know, most of the books I read are, are kind of self-help or, or motor motivating, you know, reads yeah. because I do, um, you know, I feel like I can, uh, that, that I can take away from those books. Um, you know, at the end of the day, your, your, your mind is a muscle and, and like any muscle, you know, you condition it and. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you do. You condition it towards the positive. You condition, I mean, yes, I'm sure you were born a very positive person, but you also do condition it. You are drawn towards a path of growth and perseverance and, bettering yourself. So I think there's a conditioning piece there too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, what we focus on expands, you know? And so if we're focusing on the victim and what happened to us and all the tragedy, that's what's going to have the dominant story. But if we're focusing on how do I find my power in a really shitty situation, then that's, that brings that to life. I mean, that grows inside of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you don't know how you're going to respond to adversity, no. um, but, uh, but you can, you know, you can train your, your mind to be positive and ultimately that's what's going to help you triumph uh, when you, you know, when you're faced with a, a a difficult situation. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting one. Cause there is this culture that's like toxic positivity now. Right. Have you heard of this? Is that, maybe I, down there? I don't, I don't know that it has enlightened okay. me. Yeah. So in the States now there's this whole culture of toxic positivity where, you know, they're saying you can't just be positive all the time. I think that's different than what you're talking about. You're not saying let's be positive all the time. Like, you know, you're acknowledging there are hard moments in life and you're saying, and I'm not going to give my power away to those moments. Right. No, I mean, look, I don't consider myself, I mean, I can, I can kind of understand, you know, what you said makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't consider myself the most upbeat person, Right. Uh, but again, you know, in the face of adversity, it's, how do you respond to that? Yes, that's it. That's and it, it. And that's so different than than just broad positivity all the time that they're calling that can be toxic now. Yes. How do you respond in the face of adversity? That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And you have trained your brain to stay in your power, even in these low moments. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, um, I undoubtedly, uh, you know, I, I have a very, in that moment, I had a very strong will to live. As I said, it just was not even an option. Um, I didn't care if the doctor said, you know, it's one in a million, I was going to be that 
that one. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the body is responding to what the mind is telling it. Have you read research on that? Your body is literally responding to what your brain is telling it. So if you believe I'm going to be that one in a million, that's what your body is hearing. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And to believe that you can be that one in a million, that's where you're in your power. I, if there's a one in a million chance, there's no reason I can't be that. Exactly. Um, I was just uh, remembering the dumb and dumber scene. Oh, tell me, don't remind me. It's been so long. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yes, yes. What did what did she say? Remind me of the scene. I just remembered that line. What are the chances that a guy like me could be with a girl like you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd say one in a million. <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance. Right. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. So that's, that is very much the mentality you had going into this. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. And, and yeah, like I said, this is the first time I've ever done a, a podcast or a live stream. I've never spoken publicly Mm. about, the, about the, the moment. And, you know, I just wanted to do it because I thought that, you know, if I was able to inspire you and put you in a better place, yeah, maybe I can help other people yes. uh, put into perspective. Yes. Um, but it's all about how you channel your, your energy. Yes. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful, beautiful. I was going to say, do you have any parting words for our audience? It's such a powerful story and it's such a, it, it's so inspiring for me. I mean, when I'm sitting here so sick, you're, you were my call. I'm like, man, he made it through that. So, but that's a great parting note, but do you have any other inspiration? Because it is, it's all about how you channel your energy. I firmly believe that. And what you're telling your body and the messages you're giving your body, it does start upstairs. Yes. Um, I would just say, like, you know, all of us at some point or another, we're going to face tragedy. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, when that moment happens, just try and find the silver lining. I really believe there's always a silver lining. Yeah. And just plow forward because, you know, you can't, like what happened, happened. That was the hand you were dealt. It's not worth dwelling on it. Yeah. So you just need to get past it and rebound and, you know, make your aim to make yourself stronger from that experience. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I have to say, and a lot of people might disagree. Uh, how can you say there's a silver lining when death does happen or this? But I, I have to agree with you. And and you know my brother very well. We all went to school together and, and he passed. And and there have been so many silver linings. And that's not to say I'm glad he's passed. It's horrendous. It's been devastating. Like, uh, it's been a tragedy, an awful tragedy. And there are the silver linings. And, and I think that's part of being able to see them. Because sometimes when we're so deep in the tragedy, 
we can't see the silver linings, but, but that's a good reminder. They are there. We just have to open up to them. Yep. They are there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm so inspired by you, Sly. I call you Sly easily. And, and it's such a profound story. I mean, really just knowing that, that dying was not an option and you were going to make it through that, that mentality. And you credit that for keeping you alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's an inspiring story and I'm so grateful I got to be the first to interview you and to talk about it live. I know. Maybe this will open the door to, to something more. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Ah, uh, thank you, Easley. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your inspiration with our audience. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Goodbye. Adios.